The COVID-19 vaccine was tested on over 70,000 Americans, including a significant number of African Americans. Among them, doctors, bus drivers, first responders, cooks, nurses, moms, dads, teachers, and preachers. The COVID vaccine can protect our community from the virus, especially those with underlying medical conditions. The only question is, will you verify and trust? On this episode of I'm There For You Baby. I want ice cream, I want ice cream. I said, okay, we'll go to the ice cream. I don't want any ice cream. Are you showing your age, Neil? You gotta change the story but you don't have to change the other guy's story. Sarah Cooper, executive director of the League of Amazing Programmers. So we've now got a fully online school that you can access through a browser. And what if you don't have a child in the school lunch program? What if you're elderly? What if you're young and you don't have children yet? A little bit of outrage, mother Come on. I think they've really brought the real world uh, to the program. I absolutely think this is critical. We had a lot of response from the community, actually. Some people gave us laptops to take. Yeah. Buy a router and expand the internet. It's really, right. it's a router. You know, right. it's like $112. Ooh, we say you need an entrepreneurial workshop. You ought to run for mayor. That's a big issue. I love it. <laughs> well, I'm there for you, baby, Neil, and I'm at home. I'm There For You Baby is produced in San Diego, California, America's finest city. Presented by IVN. Welcome listeners to another episode of I'm There For You Baby, The Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm here with Barbara Bree, my wife, bride, partner, co-host, and consigliere. And I'm gonna start with what's, what's on, on my mind, mind today. What's on my mind is people and I'm going to tell two stories. So one, I had a guy for a few years and he comes in and he gets what he wants. And in other words, he comes with a problem. He says, I have a problem and, and it has to do with selling the company. And I magically on the whiteboard, I show him exactly how to do it. And he says, I can do that. And then there's a long pause and he says, I'm afraid. And what he's saying is, I'm afraid that I'm going to get what it is that I think I always wanted. And now I'm afraid that what else is there? What can, what else, what else will there be? So one process in this entrepreneurial venture is you think you know what you want and when you get it, is that okay? Can you live with it? Are you afraid? It's always a little bit like, I want ice cream, I want ice cream. I said, okay, we'll go to the ice cream. I don't want any ice cream. I mean, actually, I, I would rather have a taco. So that interests me about accepting and understanding what it is you really want. Then I got a second client, kind of a, a tough guy. <clears throat> and what was interesting about this particular client is he's an immigrant. He come, his, his family came from another country. So his idiom is different than mine. So if I use Silicon Valley idioms or venture capital idioms or finance idioms, things that I, I use as a reference, they are foreign to him. Not because he's stupid, he's really smart, but his frame of reference is not the same as mine. And the task for the coach, this is the entrepreneurial task, is to modify my behavior, not his. And, and ironically, when I confronted him and said, you know, I, I'm going to change how the words I use so that they reference what you understand, 
we had a real connection and he really would like mentorship and he's open to listening. And, and that's, that's an interesting element, which is you got to change the story, but you don't have to change the other guy's story. You got to change your story, how you deliver it. What do you think, Bibi? Yeah. So Neil, I think these are very relevant uh, stories about entrepreneurship. You know, on our show, we celebrate entrepreneurship, whether it's in your own business, a large company or a nonprofit. Uh, we celebrate people who challenge the status quo, ask hard questions and think in new ways. Uh, and in San Diego, uh, you know, the innovation economy is one of our fastest growing sectors. And many of these jobs require programming skills. And it's never too early to start learning. So our next guest- Wait a minute, is, is that like trying to find this a radio station? Is that the programming? When I move the <laughs> dial on the radio? Are you showing your age, Neil? Yes, dear, okay. Yeah. I know what programming is. Okay. Come on, do it to us. You've had a few software companies. Well, our next guest who's joining us on Zoom today is Sarah Cooper, Executive Director of the League of Amazing Programmers, a nonprofit school teaching programming to children starting in fifth grade. Uh, Sarah, welcome to I'm There For You, Baby. Thank you very much for having me, it's a delight. Great, so Sarah, please give us a short history of the League of Amazing Programmers and why this organization thought it could teach programming to fifth graders. Well, it kind of has grown organically out of one man's vision. Vic Wintress and his wife, Diane, started the school in 2006. Vic had retired and he had started to learn programming just as a hobby, as you do, um, and realized how important it was gonna be for coming generations to be able to program. So he started first in his garage and then in um, some property in Carmel Valley to offer classes and they just got snapped up. It's grown organically over time to the point where we now serve about three and a half, 400 students a year. Um, and over that time, we've taught 2000 students, 500 of whom had scholarship places. That's great. So Sarah, you joined the organization um, in the last few years. What did you do before you joined? I lived in London most of my life, um, didn't come here till 2008. But prior to that, I had studied composition and electronic music, and I was teaching computer composition and music programming, music production for 20 years before my husband got sick of the weather and we decided to come to San Diego. Great. So you have a background in programming and electronics yourself. Yeah. So that's. But great. mostly from a perspective of what can I do with this? Not, you know, I'm not a genuine bona fide nerd. I'm a, more of an artist who's determined to make the computer work for me. That's very, very appropriate. So how does the curriculum work? You, you know, the, you can start when you're in fifth grade and what are you learning at the beginning in the League of Amazing Programmers? So it's a mastery based course. All of the students go at their own pace. Um, you don't have to start in fifth grade. Students come to a set any age between grades five and 12. And obviously they will have different emotional maturity and different you know, understanding of the concepts involved. So they'll go at their own pace. Um, they'll start off doing simple games, making simple games, learning how to put the language together. 
um, how to think algorithmically. Um, and by level two, they're making their own games and kind of competing against one another. And then by level four, it's a 10 level program, but by level four, they are ready to do a project for social good. So they'll partner with another organization in San Diego to see what their technological needs are and try to build something. Um, and then by level six, level seven, they are thinking about what they're going to do in the future, how they're going to build. So, what, so who teaches this? The how do you teach? How do you teach program? You, you, the teachers are, they tend to be volunteers who have come from a programming background and want to give back, want to shape the next generation of programmers. Um, and then some of our staff have started out volunteering, but have loved it so much that they've decided to um, stick around. Um, so we have a staff of about 10 different types of teachers um, and maybe 20 volunteers who are from all over San Diego and sometimes elsewhere. Um, so, well, so what do you do when Harriet, who's in the 12th grade, comes to you and says, Ms. Cooper, I want to start a company? Ooh, we say you need an entrepreneurial workshop. So there are um, also volunteers who will come and teach kids everything from how to build their resume, how to interview for tech jobs, to how to think about creating their own things and selling them. We do have some very entrepreneurial students. That's exciting. So what does it cost to go through the program? What's the annual or the monthly tuition? How does that work? It's a bit like taking piano lessons. For those parents who can afford it, it's $240 a month. And for students who are on low incomes or come from um, Title I schools, there is a scholarship program where they pay nothing. Um, and then there's everything in between. So I know pre-COVID you were operating some programs in the libraries uh, throughout San Diego. And of course that's not happening now. So how has COVID impacted the way you, you teach students? So COVID has been an interesting year, hasn't it? Um, exactly a year tomorrow that we closed the doors. We've got these beautiful facilities in Carmel Valley and we had satellites in 12 different schools and libraries around San Diego from Logan Heights up to San Marcos. And all, overnight, it was not possible for us to work that way. So I don't know quite how we did it. It took 48 hours for my staff to transition everything to be online so that students could still join the classes and continue their programs and their recipes that they were building um, in an online format. So we've now got a fully online school that you can access through a browser, um, which was a miracle to do because before that we had to have the right programs loaded onto each computer. Mm -hmm. There was an impact, a dramatic impact on our scholarship kids because of digital inequity. You know, many children don't have a computer at home. If they do, they don't have it to themselves or a quiet space to use it in. So that meant that about half of our scholarship students dropped out of the program and had to be chased up and... So Sarah... So have, you, so have you found them to, give, to make sure that they have a computer and internet access at home? What, yes. what have you done? So what we did, we, ha we had a lot of response from the community actually. Some people gave us laptops to take. Um, we, we had donations um, to buy others. We drove around and gave them laptops fully loaded, um, hotspot if they need it. 
but but that doesn't cover all of the challenges that come with um, some of these family situations. So we also had um, the foresight to appoint a couple of fostering inclusion fellows, AmeriCorps uh, students who actually take the time to sit with each student and work out what the challenges are and how to get around them. Well, you know, I applaud your entrepreneurial spirit, you know, in terms of figuring out how to go online so quickly, acknowledging that there are major digital equity issues in, in San Diego and well, throughout the country yeah. and uh, figuring out ways to address it. I mean, I've said for a lot, this is really one of the key issues for our city is to is is digital equity and it's not just about children it's about all ages having access to the internet but these children in particular i mean they're working on something that is going to define their future yeah. so could you tell us some of the projects that some of the kids have done over the years well this last year quite a few of them have done projects that were covid related um, we've had one group of kids who have been working on building a ventilator. So not, you know, integrating the software programming with hardware to create an, um, a ventilator system. We've had a group of kids working out an app where you can find out how to get vaccinated and where, how COVID is impacting your community. So that the focus tends to be on whatever's topical for the kids. Um, but then We've also had kids working on their own games. Last year, we had uh, one student who his game was in the App Store. Um, and then we've had working with the San Diego Food Bank to help create an app to, for, student, for people to find where to get food, um, anything and everything. And we're working this year with um, Connect All down at the Jacobs Center to try to offer, you know, connect some of our project groups with entrepreneurs who are going through their program at the Connect All Center. Um, so that we're actually making that uh, leap for the students as well to see it in real life, how to build a business um, and make the future better. This is fantastic. So I think, you know, I worked at Connect in the early days, the, which is still around when it was at UCSD and it's wonderful to see Connect All you know, taking the lessons of what we learned about building an ecosystem to support tech and biotech to support an ecosystem of small business development in the southern part of the city where uh, they have not had access to capital and to the resources on how to build a successful business. So Sarah, there are another half a dozen various code academies all over the, the state. Uh, how do, do you compete? Do you collaborate? What are the differences? Um, so the differences for me are with our students, they are learning professional programming as children. They are learning. It's not just to introduce them to STEM, which is really vitally important. I mean, we do have projects that we do like tech discovery days where we're just introducing kids to the very idea of tech and what it could turn into as a life. But for the students who are taking the Java classes and the Python classes, they are actually learning serious professional programming from the get-go. And they can take it through three, four, five years up to industry certification. So for some students, it might be a, a way to break the cycle of poverty 
in their family because they don't have to go to four-year college. They can go straight into quite a highly paying job with an Oracle certification. Um, so it's that depth and breadth of the curriculum. So do you I like to think of the other schools as introducing kids to a thing that they will then come to us to become masters in. So do you track your alumni? What, is, what has happened to we some do. of them? We track them because we want to stalk them and bring them back as volunteers. <laughs> so for example, um, I've got a guy, Luke at the moment, who joined the league back in 2012, I think. And then he went to either Stanford or Cornell. It was him and his brother. Um, now he works at Google and he teaches for us on a, on a Sunday. He comes and he teaches a one and a half hour class. That's so great. we're trying to build an alumni community so that we've got our own old boys and girls network. That's great. Um, and of course, with now that you're on Zoom, they can be anywhere. They don't have to be in San it. Diego. Yeah. So, so how can our listeners contact the League of Amazing Programmers? They should go to jointheleague.org. Um, that's the website. Or they can email info at jointheleague.org um, to, to get in contact with us. And there's leave a message and someone will get back to you within 24 hours. Um, we're always interested in recruiting new volunteers. So I'm very interested in anyone who's listening, who wants to teach programming, entrepreneurship, you know, how to be in the world of business to young programmers. Great. And is there any last thought you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, the last thought I'd like to leave our listeners with is that we, San Diego belongs to us, to all of us, and it is moving fast in terms of tech. And if we want to teach our kids to take those jobs rather than have other people coming in to take those jobs. We have to train them now and we have to start early. Um, I, we love what you're doing. We wish you much continued success. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Sarah. It's been marvelous. It's terrific. This is Sarah Twackley Cooper, Executive Director at the League of Amazing Programmers. You're listening to I'm There For You Baby, the Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. So uh, she mentioned Vic Wintress. Uh, who was the founder. And I know him well. He's been in the office. Uh, I think we've written a couple small checks to him. He's an amazing guy. Here's what interests me. I understand you're teaching programming. I asked that kind of leading question about a startup. What I want to do is I want to, maybe I should be the volunteer, add to the, to, the, to the 12th grader, to the seniors, what does it mean to have your own company? How do you think about building something that you could sell, own, create, partner, as opposed to just getting a job at Google. I, they're brilliant. They will get jobs at Google. But I want them to think about bigger more. Well, I, I, think, uh, I think the program has really broadened. I mean, it's fascinating. They're working with the uh, entrepreneurs at the Connect All Center. So they're working with small businesses. Uh, they're developing apps uh, and software that uh, is necessary today uh, for COVID. 
I think they've really brought the real world uh, to the program. And, you know, I really, I, you know, I, of course we know Vic and Diane, you know, they started this in their base, in their garage. They don't have basements in San Diego. Uh, and uh, I really, you know, I'm so excited to see this great organization grow over time and impact more children. And Sarah brought up the important issue of digital equity, uh, which is something I've harped about for years. Uh, you know, we have all these internet providers in San Diego, you know, we have Cox, AT&T, uh, Verizon, et cetera. Uh, and many of them offer a program for $10 a month uh, for families who have a school, a child in the school lunch program. But I have pointed out to them $10 a month for many families is a few meals. Uh, and these companies are making, and what if you don't have a child in the school lunch program? What if you're elderly? What if you're young and you don't have children yet? Uh, and I have pointed out that these companies are making a lot of money you know, in San Diego and that they, I think they need to step up and do more uh, for the community. So I, I absolutely think this is critical. I mean, I, I, I know the math. The issue is not the laptop. The issue is the connectivity. The issue is the internet. Telling me to go to Starbucks for a hot spot, nah, I, that doesn't get me there. Right. So, you know, when I was on the city council and we got COVID money, um, we were able to put some of that into digital equity to subsidize internet access for people. And there's also a great organization of which we are a founding member, actually, Neil, the San Diego Parks Foundation, which is installing Wi-Fi at um, our neighborhood parks starting south of eight where more people are, you know, don't have access to the internet so that children will have a free place to go in their neighborhood uh, where they can do their homework. And sadly, I learned about the limits of internet at the schools. I said, why can't the schools, which all have internet expand uh, into the neighborhoods? But apparently there's some complicated federal legislation that they all got money from to wire the schools and they're not allowed to expand uh, the wire. Yeah, you know what I say to that? Bullshit. Yeah. Buy a router and expand the internet. It's really, right. it's a router. You know, right. it's like $112. It's right. not that hard. Well, there's, well, it's what's really sad is in some neighborhoods, you see kids literally sitting, you know, right as close to the school as possible after hours to access the internet to be able to do their homework. So I think the digital equity issue is something that needs to continue to be addressed. You can't live today without the internet, no matter how young or old you are. You need it for learning, you need it for healthcare, you need it for social interaction, you need it for shopping. It's an essential. And if we're gonna move our city forward, everyone needs basic access to the internet. You ought to run for uh, mayor. That's a big issue, <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm there for you, baby, Neil, and I'm at home. So that's it for this edition of I'm There For You Baby. If you have ideas for us, please email us at info at I'mthereforyoubaby.com and tune in next week for another edition. Thank you for listening to I'm There For You Baby, presented by IVN. I'm There For You Baby is produced in San Diego, California, America's finest city, presented by IVN. Do you have a business, nonprofit, or campaign that needs to break through the communications clutter? 
For over 10 years, IVC Media has developed a suite of digital tools, data sets, and creative techniques to help corporate, government, and nonprofit organizations deliver authentic, innovative, and effective communications. Our teams in San Diego and Tijuana can help you overcome the most challenging communications projects in any language or location. Visit us today at ivc.media.